We're back. Lion Minded Podcast is back. I did it, Mum. I did two in a row with not eight months in between. We did it. I am the Big Laser Monk, Mr. Steal Your Joke and Make It Funnier. And I'm joined with Mr. Steal Your Vote, Kerry Poe. <laughs> He's my guest for this week. Uh, recently run for council in Uplands. Labour Swansea and he's a parent and we're going to talk about lots of stuff today but as always we're going to start the podcast off we're just talking about the week have you had a good week Kerry Poe? In, um, it's been a lot busier than I thought it was given the day yeah. over I think I've spent more time in the pub than anywhere else <laughs> um, Droning sorrows or well, not not really. It was a it was a friend's birthday party on Friday, um, mm. and then a couple of people want to meet up and have it, and you'll have a chat about you know what what happened. Then there's meetings in between, um, you know, in between that and uh, sorting Arlo out. Um, mm. It's been it's just been busy. It's just been I don't know where last week went. <laughs> it's been it has been busy, um, in with with. My kids, uh, Rory, took two shots to the head this week. I think he's pra- practicing to be a wrestler. He took a, a chair to the back of the head uh, when someone was lifting one up, and then he fell and landed on his face, which makes a change because the week previous, Ace was hurting himself every day, ended up in hospital with a lump on his head, which he's still, I think he's got a bit of PTSD or something, because it was quite a big fall and he fell down steps landed on his head and ever since then he's been really scared of everything and like he's been having nightmares he wakes up going fall and purple eye because it was like right above his eye and it was purple and he keeps going purple eye purple eye but uh yeah he, he's he's got the social skills of a grumpy old man but i did see him playing with some friends this week which was which was nice it was nice they get to a certain age where they start socialising a bit. And uh, I think he's a lot more introverted than Rory, because Rory's very extroverted, and that's going to be a bit of a topic of today. Would you say you're introverted? I don't know. I always thought I was. And then, I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm extroverted to a point where I've got, yeah. my, uh, I've got my social clock, and then when it runs out, then I just sort of intro- in, it, it go into a bit of introversion. Um, I kind of feel like I really love my own company, but at the same yeah. time, I can thrive in a group of people as well, but I've got my limits, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Because um, obviously we go way back. We go back to about 14 sort of Probably teenagers before that. Before that. Um, and yeah, I, 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 definitely, I definitely say you found your extroversion over the last couple of years. You've always been quite loud, like in the right setting. But yeah, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. I don't think I could put you into a category of introvert or extroverted. You're kind of one with tendencies of the other, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably it. I'm a I'm a introvert slash extrovert comedian. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Um, Rory started doing uh, animals in his class. They're the it's, it's the topic for this term, animals. And he came home one day and he proudly told me our class had an email from Sir David something. I was like, "Do you mean Attenborough?" He's like, "Yeah." It must be like some email I guess sent out to schools from from Mister Attenborough himself. Uh, but he's chuffed with it, and we've been watching loads of videos. Um, about animals and we watched a 10 minute video about tarantula eggs in a sack and like being cut open and like all the tarantulas coming out and Rory absolutely loved it and every time I try to tell him an animal fact he's like well Sir David Attenborough says I'm second class to Sir David Attenborough in this house we've got a book we've got a book about Sir David Attenborough actually I need to get that out it's like um, talks about his life when he was getting into animals when he was a kid and how he grew up and stuff. I have to find that. 
that's quite good. Um, what else have I got? Last week I recorded the podcast and editing it was a bit of a nightmare. I somehow ended up with a 78 gigabyte file for a 30 minute video. I don't know how. Even when I even when I like put it out, like saved it as a video file, it came out with like nearly 30 gigabyte the video the way on YouTube. I have no idea how it must be like literal retina capabilities in that video. It's, you exported in 8K, is it? <laughs> it's like like 16K. 16K or something. Um, but I learned a lot. The Last week I was sort of, if I don't record it now, I'll end up putting it off for another six months. So I, I didn't test anything beforehand. I just went and I did it. And I accidentally recorded the entire podcast with the microphone really far away from my face. And you can't hear half of it. So I've, I've changed that this time and I've moved it in. So that's good. And I also streamed some Tony Hawk uh, over on Twitch. And I'm really bad at that game, but I love it so much. Every one of them. I've always been bad at them, but they're so much fun. I was doing Tony Hawk's 3. So we did that. Um, but yeah, other than that, I was in the wellness, the wellbeing center. Uh, and on a Thursday, they get a chef in. Um, he... This guy is called Satonji, and he is uh, French slash South African, I think, West African. And he makes food every week uh, for people to come in and, and buy and eat. And he had like a peanut stew with banana dumplings and stuff, proper West African food. And it was so nice. But I had to sit there working and I could smell him cooking it. And it was, oh, it was a nightmare. But um, I spoke to the guy that runs the men's club there, the men's meetings. And um, he said that his idea for it is he's the vessel that sort of gets it running, but he'd like other people to take over at some point. And he said I could take over like one week a month or something to try and get that. So it's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction. So apart from being in the pub and playing... 2K22. How's uh, parenting been this week? Because you've got Arlo that lives with you. Yeah. He's nearly one. Yeah. So, how's that? How's that been this week? Um, he's been, he's been, it's been good. He's been, um, he's at the stage now where he can crawl and stand up on, if he grabs something, which means he grabs the TV stand and he likes to try and touch what's on the TV. It's trying to get him out of the habit of doing that because the TV is quite a big TV and if it fell on him, well, there'd be no more TV and I wouldn't be happy about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, apart from, he, he can be he can be a bit of a handful when he wants to be, but I think it's just because he's full of it. He just wants to explore and, uh, you know, get into everything. And, you know, it's my third, my, my, my third child. I'm a little bit like... I'm a little bit like, I can't wait for you to start walking and start doing things a little bit more by yourself. But at the same time, it's really nice to sort of, you know, be, be here and sort of sharing his excitement that he can stand up on things that he shouldn't stand up on. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's generally easygoing, but just can, just can be a handful lately when he wants to be. Reminds me of someone there. Who's that? You, when you were younger. <laughs> <laughs> Little rebellion. Yeah. That's you. Right. I'm going to have another sip of my sneak energy drink, which we're not sponsored by, but we should be because I love sneak. And we'll take a quick break and we will be back to talk Kerry Poe. Lion Minded is all about supporting parents with their mental health. We have resources on both parenting and mental health help, self-care ideas, community surveys, fundraising, the Lion Minded podcast and blog posts from myself and guest writers talking honest parenting and mental health struggles. 
We also run social events in the local area, such as our parents' mental health mornings and men's mental health mornings, with much more events to come. Head to lionminded.uk and follow us on the socials to keep up to date and join in as we help start the conversation on mental health. And we're back. Big Laser Monk, Big Kerry Poe. We're back. We're going to talk with Kerry now. Kerry Poe, introduce yourself and your background. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So well, my name is Kerry Poe or Kerry Poe, as uh, all my friends call me. Um, oh. <laughs> um, you know, my background really was, you know, in front, uh, well, I could go in the long version or the short version. I'll start the long version. Didn't do very well in school, picked myself back up, went through college, went to university, didn't do very well in university, had two children, spent the best part of like seven or eight years languishing away in a call center, um, throughout that time, um, as a member of the Labour Party, didn't understand how any of that worked uh, until the last year. Started getting more involved with that and, uh, you know, 31 now and uh, sort of felt like I've found a bit of my own purpose. Brilliant. And you got uh, three kids, Oliver, yeah. Elna and Arlo. Yeah, that's right. How I've not, I've not met Arlo yet. I need to I need to fix that. That's a bad friend on my part. Well, to be fair, it's been um, all this COVID stuff lately. Um, oh, all that COVID stuff lately. <laughs> Don't know if you've heard about it. Worldwide pandemic. Yeah, it's gone under the radar, that has, a little bit. I know, you, you've got to read, like, it's not even been in the papers. What's been going on? <laughs> I know, I know they're suppressing that. Bloody Tories trying to keep us in our offices. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so he's got Oliver, who is eight, and he'll be nine this year. Um, Eleanor, who is who was six this year, she's born on St. David's Day, which is uh, when you're a little bit of a nationalist, is very very proud of that. Uh, <laughs> and Arlo, who's born on 29th of May, who will be one in just under two weeks. Um, wow. That's that's flown. I know, I know, right? Oh, Oliver being nearly nine has flown. I I, I remember vividly. When he was born, I remember that day. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, speaking of COVID, um, I wanted to talk about um, your parents. Well, Helen, I, I never met your father before he passed, but uh, Helen, your mother. When I've been over your house and spent time with you, Helen's an amazing woman. Um, but she's a she's a nurse as well. Yeah, that's right. How how she cope with COVID? Because that must have been quite hard working in. Yeah. So, I mean, with, with the hospitals and COVID, well, Karis, my wife, works as an occupational therapist in the community, so she has to work in the health service. Um, I think there were a lot of strains in the health service overall surrounding COVID. There was shortages of uh, PPE, shortages, well, sh- shortages of staff, shortages of everything. So I think they really, uh, you know, worked work to the bone then. Now my mum now is um, a discharge liaison, so they tend to discharge people out of hospital. So I think it was very difficult at the time. And when I was talking to my mum during COVID, she was saying like the army's been here doing doing things. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's never a good sign when the army turn up. So, no. you know, I think that, because uh, that was early days as well. So that, that kind of um, displayed how serious the situation would be. Karis was pregnant at the time. Um, so she was told to stay at home um, and work from home, which she did for pretty much the entirety of the pregnancy. And uh, I think I think just all around it was it was it was difficult. No matter what sector you worked in, you know, I worked in an office. It was difficult in it was difficult in an office. And the transition to working from home that was difficult for a lot of people because it's very difficult to separate your home life and your work life when you're when your office is about two foot away from the sofa. However, it is really yeah. nice. It's really nice to finish a day, walk two seconds, and then you're on the sofa. So, you know, it's got its, it's got a bad Ready to blast WWE 2K19 at the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ready to uh, ready ready to hope that uh, not every computer game had been delayed into, like, 2022. <laughs> yeah, and the consoles. <laughs> yeah, and that. Warning for the pe- the listeners at home, I have asked Kerry to keep political talk to a, to a low but uh, 
it's hard to keep a lid on Kerry Poe sometimes, you know. He's a very passionate man. Yeah, look at my wall. <laughs> yeah, if you, I don't think we are putting out an audio version of this. So if uh, you're watching, there is a big wall of lots of labor history for the many and the few. I can see Jeremy Corbyn. I can see all, I'm guessing those are classic labor posters. Yeah, they yeah. are. I got something cool as well over here. Right? Not on the wall. Am I going to be in a debate about whether this is cool? Probably. You probably I know exactly yeah. what this is going to be as well. Yeah, well, that man himself. All the people I met. Have you signed it? I've not signed it because I'm not a member of the Senate, but if that happens, I will sign it myself. One day. One day. <laughs> um, as you mentioned earlier, um, you, you were you were quite a wild teenager back in the day, I think. Yeah. Uh, but but you you, I've, I've watched you grow up and I've watched you lose and find your way many times, um, and lately you've definitely found your roots as a parent and a husband, and I think a big confidence boost for you has been your work within the community, for um a couple of different groups right yeah it's been a few it's been a yeah. few I, I've not done as much as I would like to do but you know i got a bit more time now I'm not uh, trying on to... the campaign trail yeah um, and you was it am I right in thinking the main thing that got you to this point of um Activism, I suppose, would be when COVID came and uh, the workplace you were in wasn't taking it seriously, like uh, the sort of health and safety and following the guidelines. And that got you sort of into unions and, and that side of things. And that I think that's something that, that boosted up your... What, what am I trying to say? <laughs> boosted up your confidence with it and... Yeah, got, I feel like that was a big stepping block as to where you got to now. Yeah, yeah, I think that was that was the. I've always been like a political, politically minded person. You know, I was very infused by, you know, the Labour Party, the Labour movement, and you know, I'd always advocate being part of a union. So join one if you haven't already. Unite community are taking on. It's two pound. <laughs> anyway, enough of the plug. Um, I, I, that was all a set up for you to just get some plugs in. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I worked in an office in the city centre. Um, it was a multinational company. Um, well, international, multinational, international is the same thing. But they, you were, know, they billion, were into some big things. Yeah, billion pound company, and work from home orders came in. We all remember Boris on the tally telling us, uh, you know, you must stay at home, you must work from home, stay away. Yeah, and um, management just wasn't taking it seriously. There was no like social distancing, there was there was no effort to work from home. It was a company that, you know, sells the internet, you know, surely. And they were sending out briefings saying that they've managed to get Italy working from home. At the time, people in Italy were dying in the streets. So I questioned that, and I questioned that heavily. I probably put my job on the line there, but, you know, it was worth doing for, you know, the, my colleagues and wider Swansea as well, because uh, if... Uh, if a super spreading event happened in that office, that's about 500 people. And then that could spiral into even more than that. And I even challenged the union at times on, on their approach to it. And I got the local MP involved. And within about two weeks, we were, we were all working from home. It was a really good, it was a really good victory, not just for me. I didn't lose my job, which was great. <laughs> it, was a, it was it was a good victory for you know friends, colleagues, um, you know uh, friends and colleagues who work in that office, mm -hmm. because by having the people working from home, they had the resource then to be able to actually properly social dis socially distance in the office. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember going in one day, and you know the the COVID. I think the COVID death rate at the time was like one percent, and I remember saying to a manager. Uh, a member of the management team there, and I said, well, if I give you a bowl of M&Ms, 100 M&Ms, and one can kill you, 
would you eat, would you t- would you take an M M&M? and M? And their answer was yes. And I remember being really disgusted by that because I wouldn't. I would it's rather- like I'd eat ninety nine of them. <laughs> yeah, um, it just wasn't taken seriously. It wasn't taken seriously as a serious illness. Um, you know that. I mean, that can be true of how the media have reported on it um, as well. You know, it's just a cold. It's just the new flu. It's just this. But when you open the news and see news reports of like eighteen healthy eighteen year olds dying, um, you know, people who are my age at the time are on ventilators fighting for their lives. It's I I, I took. I took them all. We need to take it very seriously, Vu. And uh, you know, I fought. I fought hard. I even had a one-to-one with the CEO about it, and uh, I put the questions to him. And you know, that really sort of set me off on this current path. If it wasn't for things like that, I probably wouldn't have been more involved with uh, you know local local party politics. So mm-hmm. even local even local events. You know, it, once you stand up, it's. Uh, once you, if if you if you don't stand up, it's easy it's easy not to stand up. But when you do stand up, it's difficult to sort of set back down. I like that. Yeah. Man of wisdom, man of the people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, you ran for uh, councillor in Uplands. How yeah. did you find the um, the process of that? How did you find it? Well. The process of it is strange um, because you have to go through many, many internal processes within your local Labour Party in order to even be considered to be a uh, to be a candidate. And it's probably the same of any of the other major political parties as well. So you have to do an interview. Then you have to put yourself forward to the area that you want to represent. Then you have to do a hustings. Um, at the time, it was all on Zoom. Um and then you have to hope that people vote for you and then people vote for you. And then you kind of, it's thrown a little bit in the deep end then. And, you know, I got selected, I believe probably the end of November and the election was May. Um, so it felt like, oh, we had a lot of time to sort of work out what we were going to do. You work with three other people in, in a multi-member ward like Uplands that you never met. Um, and, you know, they can, you know, it's, you have to make an effort to get to know, get on the same page before you even start campaigning and then the campaigning starts. And I was always reluctant about uh, campaigning, knocking doors. Mm-hmm. Um, I was probably of the mind that maybe it's not as effective as people would say it is. That's wrong. It, it is as effective as people say it is, but like you knock someone's door and have a conversation with them about what they feel about the area, how are they going to vote? And all the conversations were really nice, were, were really pleasant to be fair. I, I used to do door to door sales back way back when. And, you know, that's I remember, my impression. I remember, <laughs> that's I remember my impression. that you weren't um, a fan of it at the time at all. No, no, hated could it. You, could you do it now? I don't think I can. I don't think I would say I'm a particularly good salesman of products. So it, it's hard to knock someone's door and sort of try and sell them on a subscription to, like, I don't know, a charity or. Mm your energy bills or anything like that because i think people get their backs up when they're when they're being sold something yeah. when you knock in the door as like you know you knock the door and you'd say you know i would probably say something like i'm, I'm your local candidate with the labor party um are you going to vote in the election you know what what's the issues and people are much more open to that but i think that comes from people aren't used to seeing their people aren't terribly used to seeing their politicians sort of walking around knocking their doors because it doesn't happen all the time and uh, you know people have complaints and issues that you know transcend social media sometimes you know you see Mm -hmm. you only see a snapshot of an area's area's issues on their like local community pages you really get to dig deep into it when you speak to them on the doorstep so I think you know we ended up at, at the peak right before the election we were out every day for about two, three hours at a time. Um, on day of poll, we were out 14 hours, something like yeah. that. Um, and it's draining, but it's really rewarding to be able to just sort of, you know, speak to people and have people believe in you. So I, I believed more in the Labour Party when um, when Jeremy Corbyn became leader, particularly down around the 2017 election. It felt like there was a really, real sense of hope and change that would... Uh, that would 
that would change the, the direction of the country. Unfortunately, it was wrong at the time. I, I remember that hope. It, uh, yeah. it died very quickly. I know, I know. <laughs> but then when you stand for an election, that kind of feeling, you feel you are going to be the one who's going to deliver things for people. So when someone answers the door and they say, oh, there's a problem with antisocial behaviour in, in, in the lane, it's not a case of, oh, I'll feed that back X, Y, and Z. You know, on the fifth, on the sixth of May, if the count goes your way, that's your responsibility to sort out. And you know, people believe in you to do that sort of stuff. Mm. And, you know, it's it's that sort of feeling that I don't think you'd get anywhere else, <laughs> anywhere else, really. Yeah. I, I mean, it's really hard. It's grueling, going out in the rain, just knocking doors, delivering leaflets. But it was uh, probably the best, one of the best experiences. I've, I've ever had and we were fortunate enough that Arlo was little enough that he came out on nearly every uh every session he got very good at holding the leaflet and yeah he, uh, he got a cuddle with Mark Drakeford which I didn't get when I met him so no yeah you know, no I, I I yeah I'm not going to comment on that <laughs> about who whether you were lucky to not get a cuddle or not but uh yeah I it, it was it was amazing seeing the passion building you and um, to see you get so confident with it. Um, I've never seen you so passionate about something as you have been over the last, what, six months with um, campaigning. But um, unfortunately, you didn't get in somehow. People of Uplands, what you do in. But uh, it, it was unfortunate because to see someone so passionate about the local area not get in is, is always a sad thing. Um, how did you deal with that? It must have been a bit of a kick in the nuts. It, it, uh, I'm still kind of dealing with it, to be mm. honest. It's um, again a lot of people say oh, you shouldn't dwell on it or anything like that. But when you put yourself, when you put yourself out there for six months and you you do it as hard as you can, I had to leave my job in order to in order to do it because I worked for the council. You can't stand for election and work for the council, so. You know, I put my all into it. I had a great team of people who also put their all into it. You know, the other candidates and activists. And, you know, when that first box came in on the count and we saw all of, and I saw all the votes for the, for the, for the uh, now councillors, the Uplands party, I was a little bit like, oh, you know, maybe we aren't going to get, maybe we aren't going to get this. But you say face because you're in a room with about 100 other people. <laughs> And the opposition, the, op- um, the Uplands Party were kind enough to invite me for a drink afterwards. And it's quite hard to sit there with people who've won when you tried as hard as you could. But, you know, you've got to be the bigger man in that sort of thing. Um, I went through, on the day, I was um, I was like, well, I did all I could. The day after, um, I felt I'd failed the people of, of Uplands and I'd failed the, the Labour Party really felt really low and that that stuck with me for another day after that um received some unpleasant messages which actually you know for the first time in probably about 15 years i ended up like crying in my bathroom just because i felt just just because i felt that way about it but on the flip side i think that kind of shows that you know i i put my all into it i'm disappointed with the result and you know i'm clearly passionate about the area and what the different the difference the labor party can make for the area Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I wouldn't feel the way I did. And, you know, it's um, the overriding feeling for me is that it was such a good experience to be, to, to disconnect from national politics. Because national politics is a bit crap at the moment. Whatever side you're on, it's it's not it's not terribly interesting. Um, there's all this back and forth, you know, all, all that sort of stuff. When you look at it at a local level, and you can see the difference that, like, the party that you represent has made in Swansea, like, you know, the regeneration of Swansea, you know, everybody who's homeless is entitled to have a bed, um, you know, things like that, and you are part of that. It's, like, it, it's really it's really surreal in, in one sense, and, uh, you know, I'd love to be part of it again if the opportunity came up. So would that be your future in, like, the, the next step to, to rerun, or...? What would be the next step for you? Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't really plan. I don't really plan what what happens in my life ahead very much. I think uh, the councillor stuff we we planned a little bit more mm. than we would normally. So, I mean, 
I went for the job in the council because I knew it would end at the end of March and I knew I wouldn't get support from my previous employer to run for election. But at the mm -hmm. same time, uh, you know, my wife went back to work. The sort of money I can bring in would all be spent on childcare. So it was a bit like, well, you know, I can stay home for a bit if I get elected. Cool, I get a bit more freedom to do that sort of stuff. Yeah. I'm, I've not... I've I've not been in a position of not working for like eight years, so it's really hard to adjust to, you know, waking up and not, not doing something. And mm -hmm. I suppose the loss is a bit of a loss of purpose. But I I would love to rerun, and I wouldn't. I you know I I'm not going to give you a politician's answer and be like, mm, no, no, maybe not. I I I would love to rerun, and any opportunity that came up to rerun, I would take it. Um, you know, there can be difficulties if it's not in in your local area but you know i've lived in you know i've lived in swansea all my life and i've lived i've lived in the east i've lived in the west i've lived up yeah. the hill i've lived down the hill so you know it's um there's a lot of, you know there's there's hopefully going to be there's hopefully there'll hopefully be an opportunity for me to do it again hopefully be a bit more successful this time but you know why i've spoken to quite a few people who've been established councillors for 30 40 years and they, they've all said you always lose your first election that's that's just a rite of passage. Yeah, but you know, it's um, five years is a long time. It could be in a completely different place. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's uh, I'm excited to know what what's next for you and when you get round to that. Um, moving on from your political dealings, so to speak. Uh, We've, like I said, before we, we go back 15 plus years, and I don't really think mental health is something that we've taken a deep dive into, um, like each other's mental health. I know you've had, you've had battles with depression. I know that over the years. Um, and you, you've definitely been there for mine. I remember I was going through a very rough patch and you sent me a copy of Borderlands 2 with my face photoshopped onto the the main character and it was renamed Broderlands 2 I've still got that I love that um so yeah with the last nearly nine years of parenting how how have you coped mentally with being responsible for a child well three now how how, how have you coped with that was it hard at first um it was uh... It was difficult, I think, at first, because you've got to adjust your sort of adjust how you well how you live effectively. Um and you know, it can be difficult to obviously make time for yourself as well as you know any significant other that you have. But you kind of muddle through it a little bit. I, I think the ages they're at now, like uh, Oliver being nine this year, Alan being six, they're so full of energy. When they come round. They're so full of energy. I feel like they suck any energy out of me. Yeah. <laughs> um, just by watching them. But at the same time, it's like it's so nice to see them develop into their own, into their own little person, uh, develop their own little personalities, and also come up and also be very caring about stuff that they probably don't understand very much. So, you know, we you know, we had to take some time out from from seeing Oliver and Eleanor during the election because it was such a busy period and mm. we had COVID at one point and we, it stuck with us for about 10 days. Um, and it was nice to like receive messages, sometimes video messages off them asking how the election's going and, and things like that. You know, I, I remember receiving a leaflet uh, to train as a police officer through the door and Oliver took it out the letterbox and gave it to me and was like, is this that Labour Party thing you like? <laughs> No, but I, I think it's difficult. It's difficult, really, because I feel like I've been a parent for like nearly a third of my life now. It's just sort of it is. It is life. It, it is life, and it's nice to it's nice to see them grow up, develop, become into their little personalities. They don't understand how much strain they sometimes put on put on you as an individual. Mm -hmm. But I kind of feel like you kind of just. You kind of just get end up getting on with it. It's a sort of a fight or flight mechanism, I suppose. Yeah. And 
I mean, in terms of like depression, mental health, mental health side of it, you know, I, I was fortunate to have, um, to have some money when I, when I first felt really depressed and I had a really good counselor in Aberystwyth mm-hmm. uh, and going through that counseling process, um, helped me understand when I was feeling depressed and how to sort of deal with it. So, mm-hmm. you know, probably the last week I probably dipped in and out of feeling, feeling a bit depressed as not stuck around, thankfully, but I, I've always found just talking about it openly has been has been a way to that sort of help. So if I just sort of feel down, I just sort of explain to my wife I'm feeling a bit miserable at the moment because X, Y, and Z um, probably shouldn't feel miserable because you know life's generally good, but it it is what it is. It just happens for no reason sometimes. It's absolutely valid to be feeling how you're feeling after putting so much effort into something and it, it not fruition didn't fruition in the way that yeah. you you had hoped um it's bound to make you feel let down um uh internally i would go into some sort of spiral of what is wrong with me that's 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 why i would go with it and um yeah i i don't blame you for feeling that way at all it's absolutely valid yeah um but you said about counseling and um i i believe counseling to be pretty uh important um but I'm a big believer in a lot more mental health stuff being taught at a school level. I, I believe being taught that it's okay and being taught how to deal with things of, at the youngest age possible is, is pretty important as well. And it, because uh, we are at a crisis of not having enough counselors. And I think if we get taught ways to deal with it when we're younger, that would be a big thing to help. Um, is this something that you incorporate into your parenting? Would you say? I I, I wouldn't say I, I I wouldn't say I've had a whole lot of opportunity to <laughs> incorporate it into into parenting. To be honest, I, uh, I I would. I'm trying to think. The thing the thing with young kids is they generally there's two moods. There's mood swing, and then there's happy. Mm. And because I don't see the older ones all the time, it's normally every other weekend. It's you know I'll always say I'll always try and get them to open up if they're if they're feeling down about something, and I'll always you know try and be like you know I'm even though I'm your dad and I'm the figure of authority, I am your friend um, as well. You know you do, it's it's a, it's a it's a balancing act. It's a balancing act. I, I don't think what I don't think helps is there's still there's still a bit of a stigma surrounding mental health. And I think that comes from, you know, because you don't see it, um, you can question you. People feel like they can question it. And when people mm. feel like they can question it, all the wrong, all the wrong, all the wrong aspects get questioned. Like, you know, if I, uh, you know, if you broke your arm, people would give you the benefit of the doubt and sort of be mm. like, yeah, you are, there's, there's something wrong with you. You've broken your arm. We'll, we'll be, We'll tread on eggshells around anything arm related, but then if you're like, "Oh, I'm feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling really depressed," people are like, "Well, you don't look depressed. You're not acting depressed." And it's like, "Well, That's what, it, yeah. what does looking depressed or acting depressed mean?" I, you know, I, I, I always find when I felt depressed, I sleep really heavy, like really, really heavy. So I always look well rested and I look okay, but you know, <laughs> it, it takes so many different forms for people, for people, and. You know, we see we see encouragement in in the media. You know, be kind, but then, you know, in about a month, we're still we're we're back to not being very kind, or you know, not not taking into consideration how other people feel. It's not a sign of weakness to sort of, of course not. You know, as as a man or a woman to sort of be like, I'm I'm depressed. It's I I think it's quite the opposite to sort of be honest about that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I. The last couple of years, um, through Lion Minded, I've always done something for Mental Health Awareness Week. And I had a couple of messages this week saying, why have you not done anything this week for, for Mental Health Awareness? I'm I'm not a big fan of it. Like, everyone's aware these days. Like, there is a massive stigma, like you said, but there's been millions and millions of pounds put into making people aware and just 
having a week where you get up and say, hey, men get sad too, you know? It's like, yeah, we're aware of that. What what needs to be more aware of is how to cope with it, Um, how undercut the services are. And yeah, I think that's what I think Mental Health Awareness Week should become Mental Health Action Week where you get out and you actually do something about it. Yeah. And, and you know, there, there's so many services out there that can help you, so many groups and so many things that can help people. And it's more than just awareness now. It's a crisis and it needs it needs helping. And it was probably a mistake on my part not to do something and, and cash in on the hat tag, the hashtag, so to speak. But I've never been about that. It's, it's I don't know. I think the whole awareness side of it is people are aware, but people need to start actually doing something about it now. Yeah. And, and it's a very undercut service and something that definitely needs to, to be put into place. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent there. Um, so yeah, should we, should we leave the Kerry Poe interview there? I think uh, we've covered a lot of stuff. Or yeah, do, yeah. do you have anything else you want to add? There's one thing I would add that I didn't mention when you talked about running for election that kind of came to me after we got off that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I wouldn't, I, even though outwardly I'm probably quite confident, quite anxious inside. So when you go out and you see this. If you waited to pull that out. Yeah, I have. Um, <laughs> and you see this everywhere and you're on the leaflet and these are in people's windows it's it's really really strange really it's really really strange when people recognize you in the street and so it'll be like oh you're the labor guy you're the labor man sounds like a really cool superhero i would love to be but it's it's so <laughs> so weird like I, I i i feel quite anxious walking through the uplands at the moment because i'm aware that we lost but i'm also aware that about ten thousand people have seen this and there are people <laughs> there are people who might point me out in the street but you know for good reasons for good reasons hopefully (laughs) but you know that's there's that side of it as well you know it's like the longest job interview you'll ever do and the interviewers are ten thousand people who live in the houses that you knock and you've got to try and convince about 30 percent of them to vote for you and uh, it's really it's it's really surreal really surreal but before i add that there i suppose you can edit that in somewhere maybe maybe yeah of course it will but yeah you've you've made us all proud doesn't matter what the result was. You've done amazing, and you put your your whole poe energy into it, and uh, you made us very proud. And we will be back after this break. Hey, this is Chris. This is James, and this is Joel, and we are called. Sometimes we sound like this. Other times we sound like this. And we love a good punk cover too. Follow for more. Love you. We're back. That was a fun interview. I enjoyed that. Nice to. It's always nice to catch up. We haven't actually seen each other in person for a long time. No, no. So uh, we t- we talk literally every day. But uh, you live probably about. 15 minute walk <laughs> but we just never I, we'll sort that out we'll fix that I'm free now generally you all are, the time you and are you're free with, with Arlo yes we will uh, have to organise a play date yeah he'd love that speaking of play dates it's on my list of parenting as an introvert five that's five one two three four five tips to help if you are an introverted person and you're parenting you you said you are quite extroverted with 
introverted tendencies? Or what yeah. about Oliver, Eleanor, and Arlo? Well, okay. Arlo, you might, might be a bit young, but uh... Arlo's like very close to me at the moment. So he's uh, you'll take him to a play date sometimes, and he'll be a bit shy, and then he'll let loose and enjoy himself from the other children, other parents. Oliver's very extroverted, very, very extroverted. Like, we'll talk to strangers in the street. <laughs> I think we bought him, like, a, a model train for his birthday once, and we took him to the park, and this person got out of the car, and he's like, excuse me, I got this train for my birthday, and it's like, okay, then. Eleanor's the same as well, but I think Eleanor... Eleanor kind of emulates a little bit of Oliver, um, but... I feel like she's got her own timer as well, where she gets fed up with being out and around people. Um, but, you know, they Oliver's probably the most extroverted. Eleanor, probably around about the same. Arlo, sometimes, sometimes a bit shy, but then he's, you know, he's only one, he's still a baby. Sometimes, you know, being away from mum is enough to ruin his day. So, you know. I'm, I consider myself an, ex, an introvert. Um, I can be an extrovert. I can put that mask on when needed. Um, Rory is very extroverted, but he needs a day every now and again where he just needs to chill because he, he get it can tire him out. And Ace is the introvert of all introverts. He <laughs> he just doesn't like the social stuff at all. Um, but I was talking with my therapist a couple of weeks ago about how introversion it's always painted as quite a bad thing, quite a negative thing. Um, we're raised in a system that really champions extroverts and a school system that is, is molded towards extroverts. The, the loudest voice in the room is normally the, the one that's most listened to. But I think um, I've had to relearn, I suppose, that the loudest voice isn't always the wisest. It um, Being an introvert has its pros as well definitely but it can be quite hard to parent as an introvert especially if you have a wild extroverted child like Oliver or Rory it can be quite tiring so I've put together five points five tips that can help a parent out there because this is something I'm really focusing on at the moment it's something I want to write a lot about because I feel like there's a lot to talk about with it but Five points. Point number one, sleep. Sleep is so important. If you get a good sleep routine with the kids, not only does it having a healthy amount of sleep make everything a little bit easier, but it can it can make the kids a bit happier too. And knowing that when it turns like 7 p.m., you can have some time to unpack the day and recharge your battery a bit. It can make things a lot easier i i think sleep is one of those underrated things for parenting especially when you have your first kid and there's there's not much sleep going on <laughs> but i feel it gets easier with each one um but on the subject of sleep i would say point number two wake try and wake up an hour before your kids as hard as it may be um being able to start your day at your own pace is it's a little life secret that I'll always want to keep doing once I've started doing it because you can catch up on any news you can take in some sunlight and some fresh air um have a cuppa have a quiet breakfast without little hands reaching up trying to take your toast that whole thing it's um it can help deal with any stressy morning arguments as well. Because Rory at the moment, he's very much, he wakes up, he's like, I've not had enough sleep. I can't go to school. <laughs> Which could be, if I'm just woke up as well, I can't handle that very well. But if I've had some time to wake up and come to my senses, I can be a bit more, let's talk about it. Let's, let's, let's not turn it into a rush and an argument. Um. But yeah, getting up a lot earlier has really helped me um, get my head into, get my brain into gear, as my dad would say. Get your brain into gear and you can handle stuff a bit better. 
point number three, I would say try and find half an hour a day where your kids will go have some quiet play. Rory, for instance, he loves Lego. Like, you sit him down with some Lego, you won't hear him. That's the only time you will not hear him. <laughs> he will. He's, he's, a, he's a little hurricane. Um, but uh, find something that, that the kids will sit down, sit still for a bit of time. And um, books, puzzles, jigsaws, things like that, that can really help break up your day a bit. If you can't do that, then number f- point number four, like I've already spoiled earlier, organize a play date. If your kids aren't the type to have a quiet hour, then it may sound counterintuitive, but have another kid come over because if your child is um, a bit more extroverted, then that social interaction will take up their time and it'll be good for them and they might not need as much parent pressure. They might not involve you as much because they've got a You've got someone else to talk to. And sometimes the other parent might offer to take your kid for a bit and uh, over their house and you can have some quiet time as well. So it, it works back and forth, which is, um, it can be good for, for the kid as well if they're very extroverted. And I think number five and probably the most important point is to take control of your own needs make yourself a priority it's okay to do that um if you need certain living arrangements to be able to function and be a great parent then it's going to help everyone be open and honest with your kids about introversion and extroversion and open with your friends and family too and make it clear what you need to function i believe honesty is the best policy and talking to people about how you're doing and what you need can be very beneficial so round up those five points again number one sleep is important number two wake up an hour before the kids if you can number three quiet play number four organize a play date and number five take control of your own damn needs it's important I think that's all we got for this week. Hi. So, just editing and realised we cut the video off before I could say goodbye and wrap it all up. So, thank you for watching. Thank you to Kerry for coming on. Um, Always great to chat to him. And yeah, like, subscribe and all that. Go lionminded.uk, support us. And yeah, be good to yourself. Love you, Swift Travels.